I'm going to preach tonight on the mind of a Uruguayan. okay? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. That was great, brother. I enjoyed that. Acts 17, and of course, uh, I titled this Engaging Our Culture uh, with the Gospel. Engaging Our Culture with the Gospel. And I believe that for many years, America has been called, has been called a Christian nation. You know, I grew up hearing we're, we're living in a Christian nation, and I believe, I believe we still live in a Christian nation. But I believe that now... For many years, we've gone a way, further and further and further away from being a Christian nation. I believe in many parts of America, you know, we're almost like a post-Christian nation. And uh, more and more, you know, you're going to knock on people's doors. And just like that lady in her 70s who had never been to church, more and more we're going to meet people just like that who's never grew up in church, you know, don't know hardly anything about the Bible, don't know about Jesus. And more and more, it's going it's to be kind of starting from scratch with people explaining the gospel. So we're going to talk about that tonight, about engaging our culture uh, with the gospel. Uh, let's, let's pray, and we'll get into the message here. Uh, Father, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity we have uh, to be in your house this evening, Lord. And thank you so much, Lord, uh, for the good service we've enjoyed so far, the music, the special, Lord. Uh, I just pray that you'll be with me now as I look at your word here this evening, Lord, and, and preach your word. Help me uh, to say exactly what you want me to say tonight. Help me to be a help and a blessing this evening, Lord. I pray that you'll help each and every person here this evening and also those who are at home as well uh, to pay attention, Lord, uh, to keep their focus on you and on your word during this time, Lord, and not to get distracted uh, with other things going on around them. And Lord, help us to receive what you would have for us to receive uh, this evening, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, here in Acts 17, uh, the Apostle Paul, he went to Athens there, and many of you know about that. But I'm going to explain quickly, first of all, how the Apostle Paul was led uh, there to Athens. Give you some uh, background there. Look in Acts 17, verse 1 there. It says, uh, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apoll Apollonia, <laughs> big word, easy word for me to say, right? They came to Thessalonica, where it was a synagogue of the Jew. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them, out of the scriptures. So here the Apostle Paul, the Bible says, as his manner was, it was, just, it was a normal thing for him. He went to the synagogue there. He went to Thessalonica, uh, where there was a synagogue, a larger city there, and, uh, and went to the synagogue there. Then in verse number five, we start to see some opposition. Verse five, it says, But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, and then notice this, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. I love that wording, don't you? Lewd fellows of the baser sort. And gathered a company and set all the city in, in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out uh, to the people. So here the Apostle Paul preaching there to the synagogue. And of course, things start happening. And, and the, these Jews didn't like what he was doing. And, 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 uh, and they came and assaulted the house of Jason there. But then notice there uh, in verse 6, this is the big accusation that they, they brought there against the Apostle Paul. In verse 6, it says, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. What did they accuse the Apostle Paul of there uh, in Thessalonica? They accused him of turning uh, the, the world upside down. What a good thing to be accused of, isn't it? Of turning uh, the world upside down. Wouldn't it be great if, if Central Valley Baptist Church was accused of turning Manteca, Calif Man is it Manteca California, upside down? You know, you know, it's not our goal when we go to Uruguay to just, you know, kind of tiptoe in, have a little Bible study, you know, and, and go out before anyone notices that we're there. No, it's our goal is to turn Uruguay upside down. And, and the goals of the missionaries 
uh, that are here as well to turn their respective areas upside down uh, for Jesus Christ. That was the, the, the Apostle Paul did. Anywhere he went, you know, he started stirring up uh, problems. Why? Because he preached the gospel. He turned the areas upside down uh, for Jesus Christ. And so there, uh, they, of course, he had to leave there. And, and, uh, and then he went, ended up going to Berea there. And, and a look there in verse number 10 says, and, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Again, he went to the synagogue there. And notice in verse number 11, it says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And here, you know, the Bible says that they received the word, and, and they measured what the, the, the preacher was saying with what the word of God was saying, and make sure they matched up, and how important that that is uh, for us to do that, do that as well. But then, no sooner did he get there, then again, controversy started happening. And notice there in verse 13, when the Jews of Thessalonica, the same Jews there, had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea. I've heard this is about 60 miles away from each other. It says, uh, they came thither also and stirred up the people. So again, they they started causing problems there. And and they came there uh, to Berea from Thessalonica. And again, just because the Apostle Paul was preaching the gospel. They, they, call, they started causing problems there. And I'm sure the Apostle Paul would have stayed there at Berea or even Thessalonica. He probably would have died uh, for his faith, but of course, it wasn't his time yet. And look in verse number 14, what happened there. Verse 14, And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. They made it look like he was going to the sea. Uh, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him Unto where? To Athens. And receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus were to come to him with all speed, uh, they departed. So here the Apostle Paul is brought to Athens, and he's here by himself here uh, in Athens, and, and none of his, his friends are here with him. And I'm sure he had probably been to Athens before, and he probably knew a little bit about Athens and, and about the city there. But here he was uh, by himself uh, there in Athens. And what was, what was Athens? Well, of course, it's a city there uh, in Greece. And it was, uh, you know, a culture uh, city of that world there, a university city there of the ancient world, kind of like our Los Angeles here. And, and it's, you know, a lot of culture there in Athens. But they say that, but it was a city, the Bible says, that was filled uh, with idolatry. And they say that they had as many idols in Athens as people there in Athens. And, and there was basically an idol for anything that, that you can imagine there. You can have your own idol. And they even had an idol uh, to the unknown God, which, of course, the Apostle Paul talks about here in Acts 17. And basically, if someone came to Athens and they say, well, you know what? My idol here isn't in Athens. And then they could basically say, well, this idol to the unknown God, that, that can be your idol. And you can worship this idol here. So there's a city filled uh, with idolatry here. And I believe that, that today that we live in a culture in many ways uh, similar to Athens and, you know, you know we, don't, we, we think of Athens, you know, a city with idolatry. You know, we don't, we don't, you know, bow down to idols here much today. You know, you don't see a lot of people with, with physical idols, you know, outside of their home or even inside of their home, although, although there are people who do that. But an idol is anything that takes the place of God, anything that we have uh, that replaces God. It could even be a good thing. You know, of course, sports can become an idol, can't it? You know, good things can become an idol. Anything that replaces God uh, can be an idol. 
And that's what we're going to look at tonight at how we can engage our culture today uh, with the gospel. And I believe that God wants to reach uh, this area with the gospel far more than you and I do. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And of course, we know we have a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So what can we do about that? Well, we're going to look at three challenges here, uh, excuse me, from the Apostle Paul on how we can engage our culture that we're in today uh, with the gospel. Let's look, first of all, in Acts 17 and verse 16 there. It says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. The first challenge that I have here from the Apostle Paul on how to reach our culture with the gospel is we need to have the right motivation. We need to have the right motivation. Here the Apostle Paul, he said, uh, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, his spirit was, was stirred in him there when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. The Apostle Paul was motivated uh, by, by when he saw the people who were given to idolatry, and he was motivated that, that they would get saved and they would trust in the one true God and, and so they wouldn't go to hell. And is that, is that your motivation this evening? Is it your motivation that those around you uh, would be saved? Is it your motivation that, that the missionaries uh, would be able to reach their areas with the gospel? You know, or are you motivated by money or by you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend? What is your motivation uh, here this evening? What are we motivated by? Apostle Paul was motivated that these people would be saved. We need to have the right motivation. How do, how do we get uh, the right motivation like the Apostle Paul had? Well, first of all, the Apostle Paul, the Bible says he saw, verse 16, it says he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. It starts when you see the needs around us that will help us to get a, a, a desire to care for them, to have a heart for them. Lamentations 351 says, mine eye affects what? Affects my, my heart, right? Your eye will affect your heart. As you see the needs around you, as you see people who are without Christ, as you see a neighborhood you know, where, where people who are without Christ and people who, uh, who, who do not have a church that they're going to, as you see, you know, of course, the video you know, of people on the mission field who, who don't know the Lord as their personal Savior, as you see those needs, that that can help you to get a heart uh, for those people. I mentioned already about you know, uh, on our survey trip, I went through town after town uh, where they didn't even have one single gospel-preaching church and I had done a lot of research before I went on our survey trip, but it wasn't until I actually saw that in person that it went just from, you know, just a head knowledge uh, to a heart passion, you know, and a burden uh, to love them and to do what we could uh, to try to reach them. And maybe say, you know what, I, I don't really have much of a burden for, for my town or for, for those around me. Well, I believe that as you just go around and you see the needs around you, that will help you to have a burden those around you who are lost and without Christ. Here the Apostle Paul was stirred uh, by, by what he saw. Well, first of all, the Apostle Paul saw the city. And second of all, it didn't stop there. The Bible says that he was stirred. His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And the Apostle Paul started getting stirred up and started getting worked up and started even getting a little angry at what Satan was doing uh, to these people and how Satan had deceived so many people there in Athens uh, to the truth of the gospel. And the truth is, there's, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with getting angry at sin. Nothing wrong with getting angry at what Satan has done to so many people around us and how he's deceived so many people around us. Nothing wrong with getting angry at those things. 
Many times we get angry at, you know, politics and angry at, you know, a, a sports team. Well, the truth is we need to get angry at, at sin and angry at what Satan is doing to those around us and doing to, uh, how he's broken up marriages and broken up homes and how there's so many sins that have caused so much uh, heartache and, and problems in so many families around us. We need to get angry at what Satan has done to us. Does it bother you that when you see people who, who, who don't worship the true God, does it bother you when you see people uh, who are living in sin around you? Does it bother you maybe that you have family members or, or friends who, who, who maybe don't go to church or, or, or don't go to a church that preaches the gospel, preaches the, the, the word of God? Do you have a desire to see maybe your family members or your coworkers or your friends come to the Lord as your personal Savior? I think so, so often that we're, we're more bothered by sin than we are burdened for those around us. We're more bothered by, by, by sin around us. You know, I know so, so many times, well, sometimes, you know, I'll, uh, I'll pull up to a stoplight you know, on a hot summer day and I'll have my windows down. And, and you know what happens? A car pulls up to you, next to you and they've got the music blaring, right? You know, and, and, uh, and, and you know, that bothers you, right? And so what do you do? You, you hit the little button, you know, right? And your window goes up, you know, and you turn on your, you know, uh, uh, your Golden State Baptist College, you know, CD that you got in your car, you know, you blare, turn that up all the way, right? Because you're bothered by, by, what, by what's going on, by that person next to you. You know, but do you, do you hear that? And do you, does that cause you to be burdened for that person next to you? you know, they, they may not know that what they're doing is wrong. They may not realize that they need the gospel. And we need to be burdened for them. Of course, at a stoplight, it's probably not the best time to give them a gospel tract. But, you know, we should still, uh, that should still cause us to get a burden for them. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 10.1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He was burdened for his own people, for the Israelite people, for the Jewish people, uh, that they would be saved. And we, we should be burdened uh, for those around us. So the Apostle Paul there in Acts 17, he, he saw the need and he felt the need, uh, but, but he didn't stop there. You know, we, we, many times we, we see the needs around us and, and we begin to, to get burdened for, for a people or, or for, for those who are lost and we feel like we should do something. And so many times we stop right there, don't we? We say, you know what, I, I should give them a gospel tract, or I should invite them to church, but you know what, I don't know, I don't think they'll listen. I, I, don't, I don't know if I should, I, I don't know, I, I don't think that they're, they're I, I'm afraid of what they'll say to me, and, and maybe they'll turn me down, and so we stop right there and, and just kind of go our own way. The Apostle Paul didn't stop there. Look in Acts 17, 17. The first word says, therefore. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met, him, met with him. The Apostle Paul did something about that burden that he saw in his heart. And I want to also point out here that the Apostle Paul didn't go to Athens intentionally uh, to preach the gospel. He was just there because, you know, he probably would have gotten killed if he stayed in Thessalonica or Berea there. And he was just there because he was trying to escape uh, from being killed there. And he was just kind of waiting uh, for, for uh, Silas and uh, Timotheus to come meet him there. He was just waiting there and but the Apostle Paul wasn't someone who just kind of stood around and waited and, and just, just let things around him happen. He decided he would do what he could to try to reach those around him uh, with the gospel. He, he, he was moved uh, to action and moved to do something about the need there. And I get my alarm go, is going off on my watch here. And so he was moved to action and to, to do what he could to reach those people. And notice, though, he didn't respond uh, in the wrong way. You know, he could have seen all these idols 
And he could have said, well, you know, all these idols, we're worshiping all these idols. And so he could have grabbed a sledgehammer, you know, and started destroying the idols there. And, and he could have started knocking all the idols down there. Do you think that would have gotten him very far? Probably not, right? He probably would have just gotten kicked out of, uh, out of Athens, you know, or, or, you know, or even worse. He didn't respond the wrong way. But he, he decided that, that he was going to do something. The Bible says, therefore, he disputed there uh, with the people. He, he tried to get out the gospel to those around him. To do what he could. And how often do we, do we see people, you know, that need the gospel, but we don't do anything about it? How often are, are we stirred uh, with the burden and have a burden, but we don't do anything about it? And, you know, so many times, you know, I should have given people a gospel tract, but I didn't. And actually this afternoon, you know, of course, I, I'm, uh, like uh, Brother Sprelly mentioned, I had the, the joy to be a part of the chapel service this afternoon. And on the way back, I wanted a coffee, so I stopped at Starbucks because there's no Dunkin' Donuts around here. And uh, you don't have Dunkin' Donuts around here, do you? No, yeah. So, uh, so I spent big bucks at Starbucks. Yeah, I call it five bucks because it's five bucks for one coffee. And, uh, and then, then, then I noticed I was a low, lower than a quarter tank of gas on my van. And so I saw a Shell gas station. And so I pulled in and filled up my van. And as I, as I was filling up my van, a guy comes up to me and he says, hey, do you have, do you have a few dollars so I can get, uh, get something to eat? And, uh, and, you know, I, I'm always, I'm always, when that happens, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm trying to get home, you know, and I'm trying to, of course, prepare for tonight. And, and, uh, and I didn't really want to do anything about that. And, and, but, but I decided I was going to go in anyways, get a snack. And so I, uh, so I said, well, I'll get you something from inside. And so we went inside, and uh, he grabbed a bag of chips. And, and I said, well, do you want to get something to drink with that? And so he did. And, of course, he got a soda, nothing wrong with that. And, he, and, uh, and uh, I... Uh, and so I paid for that, and we walked out, and then I thought, you know what, I should give him a gospel track. And uh, I, I unfortunately did not grab any from, from here, and, uh, but uh, I had a track from a church in Tennessee, from Franklin Road Baptist Church I was in last Wednesday. And I said, hey, this is from Tennessee, but let me explain what this track says. It explains uh, the gospel. And I said, uh, uh, he actually had Proverbs 3, 4 through 6 and tattooed on his arm right here. And I said, hey, I like those verses. And, uh, and, uh, and I asked him if he knew for sure, if, if he was on his way to heaven. And he said, well, he said, you know, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to do all this. And I keep failing. I'm trying, I'm trying. And I said, well, you know what? Uh, that's, of course, why, why Christ came down on this earth. Because no matter how much we try, that, uh, that, 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 uh, that we can't do it on our own and that we need to accept Christ as our Savior. And I ended up pulling my van forward because I did, was you know, at a gas pump there, didn't want to block the people behind me. Pulled my van forward and, and began talking with him and talked for about 30 minutes. And, and, and he, he, he didn't want to trust in Christ. And he said, well, I need to be baptized first. And I explained to him why, you know, baptism it comes afterwards. That's a, you know, that's a, uh, that's a picture, you know, like a wedding ring, all of that. And, and, uh, and, and he said, you know what, I, I need to be saved. And he prayed and trusted in Christ as his Savior. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that, a man named Nevin. And you know what, I did not feel like doing that. I did not feel like talking with him. And I, I wanted to go home. But you know what, uh, the Lord spoke to me about giving him a gospel tract. And, and I'm so thankful that I listened. And I didn't just do what I've done probably way too many times and just let that moment pass me by. Let's not, let's not just see these, let's not let those opportunities pass us by to get out the gospel. You know, the Holy Spirit, I believe that anytime the Holy Spirit uh, prompts you or, or pricks your heart about, you know, giving out a gospel tract or inviting someone to church, you know, or, or other things like that, that we shouldn't let those opportunities pass us by. We need to, we need to, follow, up, to follow through on those, do what we can to get out the gospel. See, the Apostle Paul, he had the right motivation. He was burdened. Uh, for the lost. I hope that tonight 
that you'll have the right motivation for the lost. And if not, I hope that you'll pray and ask the Lord to help you to have the right motivation. Secondly, though, look, look in uh, verse number 17, uh, that the Apostle Paul there, he had the right, uh, the right motivation, then he had the right uh, method, the right method. In verse number 17, it says, Therefore disputed he uh, in the synagogue. The Apostle Paul went to the synagogue, and, and the Bible, like, like, like you said in verse 17, verse 1, that just like as his manner was, just a normal thing for him to go to the synagogue there, and, and he preached the gospel. And, and the synagogue, you know, is kind of like, like our church today, or that's the religious place uh, of that day there. And here he, he went to the synagogue, and, and he preached the gospel there. And, and he, um, well, he didn't preach the gospel. He, he, he spoke there and, in the synagogue to the religious people. And just like he spoke there to those religious people, that this is a reminder that we still need to make sure that we get out the gospel in our churches today. We, we shouldn't let a Sunday go by or a Wednesday go by where we don't you know, give an invitation for someone to receive the gospel. There could be someone, maybe it could be their first Sunday, or there could be someone even who's been coming to church for 40 years who still doesn't know the Lord as a personal Savior. So important that we continue to give out the gospel. And I know you're not doing junior church or bus routes now. You're not doing bus routes now yet, are you? Yeah, I know most churches aren't either, but, but when that starts back up, do what we can to get, make sure those bus kids hear the gospel. And, and don't just take it for granted that, well, you know what, they've been coming for a year or five years, and, and they're probably already saved, and so I don't need to talk to them again. No, make sure, we, make sure that they're saved and, and know the Lord is their personal Savior. Uh, he went to the synagogue. But then he didn't stop there in the church house. So many churches today, it's so sad that, you know, they'll, they'll get the gospel out in the church house, but that it doesn't get beyond that. They don't go out into their community and, and try to reach their community uh, with the gospel. The Bible says in Acts 17, 17, it says he went in the synagogue with the Jews and with, with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. He went out there into the marketplace there, you know, and, and he, he talked to those people there in the marketplace. And, and of course, the Apostle Paul, he, uh, uh, he, he made tents, didn't he? And, and he could have sold some tents there and, and maybe made a little bit of money there uh, to, to help for, to pay for his living expenses. But he also uh, he gave, tried to give out the gospel there to those people that he met uh, there in the market. And this is a reminder to us that, you know, as we're going out, out and about our day, you know, you know whether it's shopping or, or whatever we're doing, getting a coffee, you know, at Starbucks, that, that we can do what we can to try to reach those around us who are lost and without Christ. And another thing I want us to point out that it says he went to the market daily. Well, that's a convicting, isn't it? That he went daily, every single day there while he was at Athens. I have no idea how long he was there, but he went there every single day. Soul winning is not just a, you know, 10 a.m. Saturday morning time. And I'm guilty of that too, that, you know what, I say, well, you know, that hour, two or three hours on Saturday morning, that's my soul winning time. That's my time uh, to tell people about Jesus. And then, you know, the rest of the week, I totally neglect uh, getting out the gospel. Like, so make sure that we don't just go soul winning, that we're a soul winner. That each and every day, we do what we can to try to get out the gospel to those around us who are lost and without Christ. Here the Apostle Paul went uh, to the marketplace there. And, and, uh, and, and I know back home in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, where I live, that we've got a, a main uh, street there, uh, almost in downtown there, and it's called Mitchell Street. And, uh, and uh, many times that I'll go out with um, like our Spanish ministry, because there's a lot of Hispanic folks that live in that area. We'll walk up and down that street there and try to give out the gospel and give out gospel tracts and try to witness to folks who are walking out and about there. And I can just picture, just kind of like the Apostle Paul, as he walked around there, there at the market there, and trying to give out the gospel.
to those around him there. So we need to try to do that. And also, uh, the Apostle Paul didn't only do that. He also, the Bible says, he spoke to the philosophers. Look at verse 18 there, Acts 17, 18. It says, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him. And some said, What will this babbler say? And others some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus. By the way, to, to many who are lost, the gospel is going to sound pretty strange to them in the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Sounds like our culture to today, doesn't it? People just want to talk about new things. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So here the Apostle Paul uh, was talking to the philosophers there. And, and I believe that the way he could talk to these philosophers was because, you know, he knew his Bible and he had studied God's word and he knew uh, about their religions and he, he knew all of that. And he was, he was a very intelligent man. And we need people who, who, who not only, you know, uh, will go and give out gospel tracts, but people who, who know their Bible enough so that when someone says, you know, well, why do you believe this or why do you believe that? And you can take them to God's word and say, this is why I believe that. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We should be ready to, to tell someone you know, why we believe what we believe in. We should know uh, the Bible and we should memorize uh, God's word to be able to, to explain, uh, explain that to people. The Bible says God's word is powerful. God's word he says it will not return void. If we just give some, quote scripture to people that... That, that's one of the best things we can do. So here the Apostle Paul uh, went to these philosophers. The Apostle Paul had the right, uh, the, the, right, uh, the, the right motivation. He had the right method. Then lastly, the last thing I want to point out is that he had the right, uh, uh, the right message. He had the right message. Look in Acts 17.31. Verse 31, it says, uh, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Here the Apostle Paul talking to the philosophers there, and he finished his message there, and, and he explained how the, that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again from the, the, from the grave. The greatest message that there is is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. He, he preached uh, the right message uh, to these people there. The Bible says that if we don't have the right message, or, or I'm sorry, if, if, without the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ, that we can't be saved. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12 there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, it says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 15, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not, 
For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. And they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 19. If, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that are slept. And if Christ didn't rise from the grave, then, then of course we can just pack up, go home, and you know, uh, uh, eat popcorn, okay? I don't know. And you know, the, the most important thing is that, that Christ did indeed rise from the grave, and we need to make sure we preach the resurrection of Christ. It's the most important message uh, that there is. People have asked me, and I've told them that we're missionaries, and, and they're well-meaning folks, and they say, well, you're going to go, you know, uh, dig a well or start an orphanage or, or do all these things. And those are great things. I'm all for those things. But if we go to Uruguay and, and we, we only dig a well or if we only start an orphanage and we neglect to get them the most important message that there is, they're going to die and go to hell with a cup of water in their hand or, you know, a full stomach or, or you, know, uh, you know, taken care of there at the orphanage. We need to make sure that we get them the most important message that there is, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we keep the main thing of the main thing. And so many churches today, they're getting off on all kinds of different things. And, and you know, they're adding works and all kinds of other things to the gospel. They're not preaching only the gospel. Let's make sure that we continue uh, to preach the gospel and we don't water down the message and continue to, to explain that, you know what, we, we, yes, we are sinners and that we do need, uh, we do need the gospel, but, the, but praise the Lord that we can uh, get saved from our sin and, and we can go to heaven. Let's make sure that we continue to preach uh, the right message. I believe that when we preach the right message that there's going to be one of three results. Look in verse 32, Acts 17, 32. Let's turn back there. Here the Apostle Paul, he preached the right message. He preached there uh, to those philosophers, and many of them, they listened. And then, notice in verse 32, Acts 17, 32, it says, And when they heard of the re resurrection of the dead, some mocked. You know, there's going to be some people that they're going to make fun of you. When you give them the gospel, they, they may laugh at you. They may slam the door in your face. They may even say some, some choice words that, that uh, you'd rather them not say. And I've had, you know, I've had people cuss me out. I've had people push me out of their home. And uh, uh, I've, had, I've had, you know, of course, dogs have bitten me, all kinds of different things like that. People are not going to like it uh, when you, you preach the gospel. Not all of them, but some people are, are not going to like that. Others, though, second, there's going to be another response, though. In verse 32, it says, And others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. And this is probably going to be one of the main responses that you're going to get. There's going to be some people that say, You know what? Uh, that, that's interesting. You know what? I, I, let me think about that. They're going to say, you know what? I'm, I'm not ready today to be saved. And you know what? Don't give up on those people. So many times we say, well, they're not ready to get saved. Let me move on and find someone else. Okay, you can move on, but make sure you write down their name or, or you continue to pray for them. And you continue to keep them, uh, you continue to try to follow up on them and do what you can to try to reach them with the gospel. They may not be ready that first visit or even the second visit or third visit. But after a while, the Lord may work on their heart or something could happen in their, in their lives. They may, ha may have a death of a loved one, something like that. And they may be ready to accept the Lord as their personal Savior. You don't give up on those people. But then also notice there in verse 34 there, it says, Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. You know, there's going to be a few people that are, are going to believe. It's usually not the majority. You know, the Bible says that the way to heaven is the narrow, narrow way. The, the way to hell is the wide way. 
There's going to be a few people that are going to believe, a few people that are going to be saved, and that's the whole reason uh, that we go. You know, I, I want to last, I want to, I want to do a, finish off with a story here that, you know, uh, we, we can hear, you know, about so many places that need the gospel, and I talked about in Uruguay how, you know, so many cities and towns, they don't have the gospel. And you can even hear about those around us here. I think Pastor mentioned within 20 minutes, there's a million people within 20 minutes of here. And you're just a huge number of people around us. And, and, and probably the vast majority are probably lost without Christ. And we can think that, well, how are they going to ever hear the good news of the gospel? And I remember hearing a story. I'm going to share the story with you. And if you've heard this story, uh, bear with me. But there was a young man, and he was, uh, um, uh, uh, well, actually, there was an old man, and he, he was a writer. And uh, he would wake up every, early every morning, and he would go to the beach, and that's where he could gather his thoughts uh, for that day. And one day, he was walking along a beach there, and he noticed that a storm had come through the night before and, and had washed all these starfish on the beach there. And, and, uh, and so he's just walking along there, and he, noticed, he notices way off in the distance that this little boy was walking towards him. And he noticed that every few moments, this little boy would just reach down and pick something up and throw it into the water and would reach down, pick something up and throw it into the water. And he was wondering what this little boy was doing. And, and finally, the boy got within earshot of him and he called out to the little boy. He said, hey, uh, young man, he said, what are you doing? And the boy said, he said, well, don't you see that there's all these starfish here that are washed up on the beach here? And he said, in a few hours, when the sun comes up around noon, that these starfish are just going to fry here on the beach, and, and I'm trying to save all these starfish. And the voice said, or the, the old man, he said, he said, you realize that there's got to be thousands of starfish here, maybe tens of thousands of starfish here on this beach here. He said, you're never going to be able to save all these starfish. He said, why don't, why don't you just go home and, you know, play with your Xbox, ride your bike, do whatever, you know, boys do, and, and forget about it. And he said, I'm afraid you're not going to make much of a difference, he said to the little boy. And that little boy didn't respond to the old man, and he just reached down and picked up another starfish and threw it as far as he could into the water. He said, it made a difference to that one. It made a difference to that starfish. That starfish is going to live uh, in the water instead of die here on the beach when the sun comes up here in a few hours. And it's the same way with those around us who are lost with the gospel in Udaway and in New Zealand and, and uh, you know, other places. <laughs> he says that, that, that the, the places around us where, where people are lost without Christ and we can hear, you know, 2.8 billion, like Pastor said on Sunday, who are lost and without Christ. We can say, you know, how are we going to ever reach them with the gospel? I believe it just starts with reaching one, and then another, and then another, and then another. I believe each and, each and every Christian here at, at this church just needs to take responsibility and say, you know what, Lord, how can I reach one, and then another, and then another? How can we reach one in Uruguay and, and in these other countries represented here this evening? Help me to just reach one and then, and then another. You know, we just need to, to, to listen to the Lord's commands to give out the gospel and leave the results uh, to God. I'll finish with this. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God uh, giveth the increase. God's the one who gives the increase. We just go out, we sow the seed, and we plant the seed, and we water the seed. God's the one who gives the increase. I just want to challenge you. Let's continue to be faithful uh, to reach those around us with the gospel. Let's, let's have the right motivation that those around us uh, would be saved. Let's have the right, uh, the, the, the right, the right method and go to the, go preach the gospel in the church house and in the markets and with the, you know, the philosophers. 
Let's have the right message. Continue to preach the gospel, the, the, the good news of the gospel that can save those who are lost and without Christ. And we're going to have one of those three of those results. Some people, they're going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. Some people, they're going to say, you know what, let me think about that. There's going to be a few that are going to be saved and that are going to know for sure that they're on their way to heaven. Let's continue to get out the gospel. And that's how we're going to reach this community. That's how we're going to reach uh, the rest of the world with the gospel. Let's pray.